0: And I'd be remiss if I didn't say Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Hopefully, I'm not the first saying it to you, um, but if I am, I feel honored. So, um, <laughs> so last time we were, were so we're in Hebrews 11, and uh, we're, we're kind of trucking through Hebrews 10 and 11, uh, perhaps finishing up today. So um, we talked last week. You know that nobody knows the future, so we all live by faith. Every single human. Uh, lives by faith in so, some sort of uh, way. And so when it comes to the Lord's promises, right, the Lord often provides fulfillment of some promises in order for us to gain confidence in the greater promises that await us. And So last week we looked at uh, a few different people. You know, chapter 10 was uh, the confidence that the the Jews put in the um, and the sacrificial system, they had to put their faith in that sacrificial system, but that was a, a temporary and lacking system, and so that really kind of paved the way for the author of Hebrews to kind of talk about how Christ is that fulfillment um, of, you know, all that we could um, ask for in the forgiveness of our sins and even what that means to spending eternity with our Lord. And so we looked at Cain and Abel and Enoch and Noah, and so in their lives we saw Some fulfillment of uh, different promises or even maybe lack of fulfillment if we want to think about Cain. Um, But the victory over the serpent that was promised to Eve, like that didn't happen in their lives. So if you think kind of like, well, what else was there left to do that God had promised? Those are some of the things that God, you know, that's one thing that God had promised to do. Um, And Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, again, we see some fulfillments in their own lives and specific um, promises that were made to them, whether it was the birth of Isaac or even the fulfillment of some dreams that Joseph had uh, and the protection of his family. Uh, but we didn't see them grow into a nation. Uh, they were a large family, but that was about it. We didn't see any land. They were living in Egypt. We definitely didn't see this worldwide blessing that was promised to Abraham. And then we looked at Moses more specifically last week, and again, in his life, we saw some fulfillment some, uh, with the plagues and you know how he uh, was blessed through that and the Passover and just different things that happened in his life and um, being even uh, his life of leaving the comfort of being in Pharaoh's household and taking on what it meant to be, be a Jew. We'll pick up on some of those ideas a little bit more today. Um, the people maybe were as numerous as the stars, which were promised, uh, but they still, again, were not living in the land, and uh, this blessing has still not happened. And so, you kind of think, like, again, the Lord provided these people as to, to show a little bit of the way, but not the full picture, and they wouldn't experience the full picture, because that incorporates us into God's plan and story. So, if it had happened already, we wouldn't be here, right? So, um, so verse 29 We'll read in chapter 11 as we continue this. "...By faith the people crossed the Red Sea, as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies." So kind of interesting, and just kind of the history of what's going on. I think it's interesting, you know, uh, all the things that uh, the author deals with in these um, uh, these uh, these verses are uh, when walls are high. So, first one is the example of the Red Sea. So, why is the Red Sea a good example of faith? Yeah. I'm not a terribly good swimmer. And I, I think, you know, when I, when I read about this account, you think of, like, the Red Sea. It was like, well, what was their other, you know, what was the alternative? I mean, the alternative was, I guess, if you're, um, let's say, I guess, you, you're escaping apprehension, right, and you're cornered in an alley, and you're just like, I guess I just give up, right? Or you have these, the, the, the walls of water, which I kind of always now with the, the movie The Ten Commandments kind of have more of that picture of what that looks like. But just, again, they're walking through walls of water. Yeah, would that be something like you do easily? Because what could be your thought? Like the wa- the water parts? Yeah. So that, that could very well have been what happened, right? They walk in, and then God's like, all right, well, that's, that's you know, done with that. So, you have this kind of example of of what they were doing, um, and it could appear to just be a suicide mission and walking into that, um, but they had to have faith that the Lord would see them through on the other side, and faith that i don 't even know if they thought as far as like once they got through that the God, that God would you know have the sea come down on the army and protect them like that so Again, not knowing what the next step is. They are just taking it you know, literally one step at a time and uh, following what Moses had told them. And Moses didn't really know much more than that other than being obedient to what the Lord had asked. What about the walls of Jericho? That was the next thing that the author of Hebrews says. How is that an example of faith? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um let's turn there real quick. Uh, in Joshua 6, there's just a couple things that I want to point out. But yeah, from the from the outset, it's kind of a kind of a ridiculous um way to to do battle. Yeah, so, I mean, again, could be like, well, what else were they going to do? Yeah. Um, and remember, right, they had, they had failed to because of the fear of going in there, and now 40 years have passed, and they're not getting any weaker. Um, so they come to this walled city, and, you know, the way that they're supposed to take it is really based on faith. Do you guys know what happened right before they, uh, they, they entered, like, Jericho, or they really, like, came onto the plains of Jericho? Yeah, so they had kind of like a little mini Red Sea, you know, reminder of the things that had happened. So let's look at that uh, real quick. So we'll kind of go on on, uh, verse 15. On the seventh day they rose early, at the dawn of uh, day, this is Joshua 6, and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted... And it's kind of interesting, right? Because for the first six days, um, what were they not to do? Or really even while they went around. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) we carry the ark. They're going to blow trumpets. You guys be quiet, you know. And uh, again, it just seems like, what a weird way to to go about this. Um, And so the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. And soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. So um, we'll pause right there. So you can put your finger in if you you get your verse right there. Um, So the next thing, if you go back to Hebrews 11, uh, the author of Hebrews describes Rahab the prostitute. So what was with Rahab the prostitute? So why why is she an example of faith? yeah so if you think about her as a you know so you, uh as her as a a prostitute you know what what advantage would she have had going with these other people yeah Yeah. So, you know, you've got these like enemy spies that are coming there, and she hides them, and then trusts that they are going to, you know, to help her when they come with their army and do what they're going to do. But they they didn't even know; she didn't even know how that was going to happen. So let's let's go back to the the end of Joshua, and then we're actually going to look at. It's kind of the beginning of that. Verse 22 in Joshua 6. If you just want to listen. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put in the treasury. But Rahab, the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua, saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at the time, saying, Curse before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds the city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall lay its foundations, at the cost of his youngest son, shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. We're going to pause real quickly on that and uh, and look at this in just a second. So you kind of think of all three of these things, and you just say, like, well, what's, what's what's the example of faith that I'm supposed to draw out of this? You know, you've got this example of the Red Sea. You've got the example of, like, you know, them going around the walls of Jericho, and you have, like, the, you know, <clears throat> the... Um, Rahab the prostitute <clears throat> so what, what are we supposed to glean from this as like a measure of like why, like what example are they to us yeah and it's interesting you know sometimes when you kind of kind of and that's that's a hard thing right and some you know some uh some churches might say, well you know the the New Testament speaks more clearly to us because there are all these stories in the Old Testament, but even the things in the old testament what was was the point if you look at like even rahab the prostitute, like what was she giving up security. so she's giving up security definitely, but like um, she's going to a, another people group, and so what else is she giving up? Yeah, so her security, everything she knew, and you would say, what's the difference between Jericho or every city in Canaan compared to the Israelites? Is their, their belief system, right? I mean, like, she's, she's saying, okay, and I'm going to serve your God. Like, that's, that's where, you know, everything comes. And for the Israelites, all of those other things are, I, we serve this God, and this is what he wants me to do, as like, you know, as sometimes as hard as it is, whether it's going through a wall or around a wall or coming off on a wall, you know, all of these things take a measure of faith, and even for Rahab the prostitute, like that's like the last thing we hear. We see here at the very beginning. We'll look at that in just a second because I want to see what happens right before we we meet her in chapter six, uh, or we, we see what what happens in chapter six. But in uh, the end of chapter um, chapter six, we see that you know God is with His people and salvation. is, Requires like full repentance and a full change and a full like devotion because even then when they took over Jericho, what were the things like? I kind of read it on purpose. The things that they had to give up. They destroyed the city. What did the, God, what did the Lord say? Like the walls came down, and I want you to do what? Destroy everything. Destroy everything. Except the valuable stuff that would go into the trade. Yeah. Okay. So the next chapter, chapter seven, verse one, we read. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Like, right after Jericho, we see, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, on the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. You've got this woman who was like ready to just give up everything. And why was she, why was she ready to give up everything? Let's just, let's go to the beginning of chapter six. Actually, we're gonna go where was, was it chapter four? Did they go in there? What's that? Is it two <laughs> sorry for some reason my uh my notes keep resetting, so I'm trying to like go through there. Two four yeah not, okay I was thinking four two so so we'll do, we'll do verse four so uh, actually. We'll just start chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, the men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And then they they... They fled. Um, So, what's that? So, verse 8, "...before the men lay down, she came to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon all of us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt." And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them." So you've got this like you know, group who's like, all of us in the city know what's about to happen. But who's the only one that put her trust, not in the walls of Jericho, but in the fact that we know that the Lord is with you and is ready to give herself up to them. At the end of, after even the walls fell down, and after the example that each person would have gone through every, every day, and after go- going through the Red Sea, you know, Forty years later, and then after going through kind of this mini Red Sea, going through the Jordan River, and all that, and the things of reminder and faithful faithfulness, God said that some of them broke faith. Right, so you see these examples as those who are fearful and living in fear, and so how they react is either they don't do what the Lord says and give themselves over fully to the Lord, like really Jericho should have been, um, uh, like. Um, when Jonah went to Nineveh um, and the, the city, right? He was hoping it was going to be another experience when Jonah went there and the city would be, be destroyed. Um, except they repented and Nineveh, you know, um, you know, the Lord had spared them. And so we see again like all of these, all of these examples uh, are there for them but those are the promises that were, were there before them in the midst while God was there. And so all of these things are confirmation um, for, of his goodness now. And then the promises of a greater promise or you know, a greater promise comes later. So, like, what, what promises are waiting for us? What are the difficulties that we face now, like all of these experiences that we face now that we can kind of glean from, but we're still waiting for what? We've been forgiven of our sins, but that's one part of salvation. We still have what? Yeah, we have like the full experience of what that actually looks like. Because right now we're still living in faith that our salvation is based on... on what Jesus did for us, we won't experience it until the future. Alright, we'll continue on back in chapter 11 in Hebrews. In verse 32, the author says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So he, he first says, you know, what about, and he kind like, of has a list of all of these, like, people, Right? You think of like Gideon. He routed the Midianites with 300 men, trumpets, and clay jars. It's like another thing, right? There's too many people. Get it down to a smaller number. And don't bring swords. I want you to bring, you know, clay jars that you're going to smash and you're going to, sh- you know, blow trumpets. Like, that's how you're going to be victorious. But they were. he was victorious over the Midianites. And Barak faced 900 chariots of iron. Um, and Deborah said, glory will not be with you, Barak. It's going to be with some women, woman who's going to kill uh, the king that you're after, um, and if you remember, he he fled to a tent and was killed by this woman. Um, and so we've got this story of Barak. We have got Samson who terrorized the Philistines, and you know even said that he you know defeated a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. Again, all these things that you're like, no one does that, right? No one does that militarily. Like no one goes about like reducing your number. Um, none of those things happen because that's 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 how you know those examples weren't for us. Uh, or the, the examples weren't to show like military strength for you know mankind to know of, but that the Lord does these things. We have Jephthah who defeated the Ammonites, David who conquered his ten thousands and the Philistines, Samuel who saw the first of the line of the kings, and then the the prophets who preached the destruction of Israel and Judah as well as his future restoration led by an anointed one. And even kind of summarizes all their experiences. Like if you think. Um, you know, back in the Old Testament, like, would have been, who would, you know, who would have been the posters on their walls, you know, the kids' walls? It would have been those people, like, David's my hero, or Barack, like, do you know, you know, all of those things, like the comic books that would have been made and the stories that would have been told of all of those, these, these heroes, right? All of these victories. So he says, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power, uh, of fires, scape the edge of the sword, made strong out of weakness, like all of these things, mighty in war, foreign armies to flight, women receive back their dead. I mean, all of these amazing things that happened. Some of those, again, were confirmations of the Lord's power right in their midst, but we still have lacking, right, the things that are still left to accomplish. And then he gives kind of another group, right, after that. So some, you know, experienced like these amazing things, but others, they, they suffered. All right, he says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment, stoned, sawed in two, killed with the sword. So you're like, well, that's the other side of the coin. And then even like those that just lived their lives in, in discomfort, right? They went about in skins of sheep and goats and were destitute and were afflicted, were mistreated, wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. So what do we, what do we make of these kind of lists that the author is, is sharing with us? Even kind of how I separated those two groups, Life can be pretty tough if you're on the wrong side. Apparently, yeah. And it's sometimes even tougher. You know, you got you got those that experienced great victories or those that suffered much. And so, which side like do we want to be on? Like we want to be on the victory side. We want to be like like the heroes, like were the ones that suffered much do you have their posters on the walls you know are those you know those the ones that we like look up to it's just kind of like not you know within our flesh it's really not within our nature right but we want to have the victories but we often don't want to have the defeats and so when we have the defeats how do we respond we often respond by shrinking back in fear and so and so did, did many of them even even all the heroes of faith that he listed had serious issues, and we don't need to go into them. But you know, Gideon serious issues. Samson, lots of issues. I mean, like his is like a head scratcher, right? Um, David, as mighty as he is, had his issues. Um, Samuel too. You know, so all all these these men had their issues, even the ones that were had done these amazing things. So then, what do we what do we take what do we take away from from that from these groups? Where do where do, where do we fall in? Not perfection, but direction. You want to expand more on that, John? I like the I like the. That's going to be your epitaph. So we would look at some of those lists and say that they were, you know, God was blessing them, right, and all the things that they had accomplished. And so, is that the direction, or how would you, how would you explain direction in that in that in the sense that you're saying? Yeah. I mean, all these men had their own troubles, right? You know, even the the ones that had great victories had their had their troubles. Not only like their misgivings, but they had the issues that they suffered with. But some of the some of the prophets didn't even have, you know, you know Jeremiah. I mean, had a lot. Like you read about Jeremiah, you're like man, that's, yeah, he had he had grit. So. Joanna, wait, contribute, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. them and I just think it's a kind of a beautiful picture of the Lord's grace
1: in their lives and his redemption yeah.
0: yeah that's been the designing purpose from the beginning to
1: glorify the Lord you think of the walls of Jericho and that was not the, the city wasn't conquered by the might of men but the might of God mm-hmm. and all this speaks to the faithfulness of God not the faithfulness of men despite the, the unfaithfulness of men God is always
0: yeah. what we're to understand. And that's like our true display of faith
1: in the Lord even though we, we have, we know we're going to make mistakes in these same even if we are you know, mistreated in this life or suffer or are tortured or if the Lord gives us great blessings but that's like the true display of just faith in the Lord because he is faithful for our whole life whatever trials he sends or whatever mistakes we make, how do we fail? We know he's <laughs> the great
0: victory column you yeah and we're we're gonna kind of see the, him explain this a little bit more as well like we we'll probably fall somewhere in between and you know all of us maybe one of you out there will you know, but all of us are gonna really fade away into obscurity you know like our names aren't gonna be remembered after a couple generations um and so you know while we may not f- fulfill one of these lists, right? The Lord wants us to be faithful in whatever it is that the Lord has us do, whether it is a victory or in suffering. And if that characterizes our life in either manner, um, faithfulness is what is important. And so we'll, we'll expand on that in just a second. So verse 39, he says, all, And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us... They should not be made perfect, and so if you just want to ask, like, why? Why do we even know about these men and women? It's really because of their faith. Like historically, you know, there is some historical records on David, and uh, maybe you know, maybe one or two, maybe of the others, but for the most part, you know, the only record we know is from from scripture. And so, sometimes we want to be known, like, if we think of, like, what's written on my epitaph? You know, do I want to be known as, as being kind or being generous? Maybe young people want to, want to be known as being popular or rich, um, but God wants us to be known as faithful, right? So, if there was one word that's written on our epitaph, like, hopefully it would be faithful. And so, why did they not receive what was promised? What's that? They weren't faithful. Well, no, not necessarily. Not it's necessarily true. Why didn't uh, you know? So, how come they didn't experience uh, you know seeing the nation or the land or even like the blessing of this anointed one as the prophets had predicted? Verse forty says because God had provided. So they hadn't experienced it in their lifetimes because it wasn't yet God's time, right? yeah and so and that's again like in perspective, right um, it wasn't their time to experience the the blessings um, and so some experienced some temporary earthly blessings and even confirmation of what the Lord is doing in their lives, but as far as like the greater blessing, that was yet to come.. Uh,
1: Points to the fulfillment that had not yet been understood. We look back and know how it was fulfilled. But ultimately, it's the eternal salvation that we're talking about—God's faithfulness that's in Christ. So, I think we talking about Christ. The whole book of Hebrews
0: is about Christ. Well, that's where he gets to verse forty because he says, "Some, you know, he says, since God had provided something better for us, interestingly, like that, apart from us, they should not be made perfect." It's almost it's kind of a kind of an odd thing, but what is that link that he's he's trying to make? Yeah, and it's not necessarily like apart from us, meaning like we we are necessary, but the fact that we are partakers in the same blessing that they were experiencing. So the again, like as Randy said, they. We're looking forward, we were looking back, but oddly they're experiencing it now and we are yet to experience like the full measure of that faith becoming sight. And, so, and there's still even beyond that when it's all you know, recreated that we'll all experience all at one time that, again, full perfection of what God had intended. Um, and so it's kind of linking right the Old Testament saints with us. You know, even though again that they were before Christ, that they're not separated from what we get to experience. The the underlying theme throughout this is um, our expectation in faith and the culmination of that faith. But to go back to the beginning, when Eve first gave birth to Cain, she was hopeful that this was going to be the promised seed that was going to crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. Yeah. And throughout the progress of all of these people, some of them had those moments of the culmination of their faith. Noah and his family were saved from the flood. The Israelites walked through the Red Sea Walls of Jericho fell down. All of these things took place, and so we had these moments, and we too have these moments where our faith is given sight. So we like them are still looking forward but we have these road markers to help bolster our faith as we go along the way going God was faithful in this he's going to be faithful in what he says for my future yeah so him. yeah and that's why I want to really like go over the the next few verses in chapter 12 because if you end at chapter 11 you're like that was a good history lesson um, <laughs> but right what do we say that faith which is the same word as belief, like, what you believe affects what? Yeah, how you live, what you do, your actions that come, that come out of that, right? Because we're still living people, living each moment through the present as we walk into the future. And so just looking at the next few verses. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, why did God provide so many instances of of those who were victorious and those who suffered? Because it says that they were a cloud of witnesses for us. Interesting, like this this word cloud is almost like a is a dark cloud, a cloud that you can't like it. Have you ever experienced going through a cloud? Like if you fly through a cloud, like you can't see anything. I mean, we can see the clouds in the sky, but when you go through a cloud, you can't see anything. Uh, yesterday, I was driving early morning and it was very foggy. At some point, I, I was trying to make a U-turn and I'm seeing cars like come, I, could, I couldn't see their lights and all of a sudden like the lights would just appear and they were, you know, I was, kind of had to time it. Um, I think they're all done because I can't see too far in the future, right? So when you're in a fog, in a cloud, You're limited in your sight. But that cloud is, as we're limited in our sight of walking through life, right? Who are the the people that God has put in our lives, right? We all have the same cloud of witnesses that we can draw upon. We have different people within our lives currently, but we all can share in the great cloud of witnesses. Um, And so, you know, that's something like as we're walking again into the future, we know what's behind, but we don't know exactly what's behead, ahead except as we go through the cloud hoping, you know, what's on the other side in our limited visibility of what we have. And so because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, what does the author say we should do? Run the race. Yeah. So the big, big thing is run, run our own race, right? Because knowing leads to actions, right? Belief and faith leads to obedience. We said the opposite of belief is really kind of that disbelief or maybe even fear. And so that's that's what the Lord doesn't want us to have. He wants to have a confidence in trusting him. And so the first thing that we should do as we kind of run this race to run it effectively is to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. There's kind of two different I- ideas by that. The the weight is a large bulky item or an impediment. So you just think like if there was a road that you're clearing like it's like the big obvious stones, you know. And so the things that keep us from being being faithful the first kind of one that that really he's speaking to you know these Jewish believers who were trying to again adopt Jewish customs. They were kind of maybe adopting some things of the sacrificial system and maybe going through the motions and making it appear to their neighbors for fear of persecution um, that they are acting obediently. And so he's like, you know, those things we need to, to get rid of. And We've talked about that, you know, uh, in detail about what those things are for us, those traditions we kind of hold on to. They're really not issues of sin, but they're issues that can become sinful because we make them issues and so those, again, are the, the boulders and trees that we need to kind of avoid. And the second that he says is the sin that clings so closely. You know, the things that easily constrict or ensnare us is how that, that can be translated. Um, I would say like those are the, the smaller things that we don't you know, or maybe, you know, we are aware of, or sometimes even the things that we aren't aware of, the cobwebs that we kind of like run into and the briars that snag us. And so he says if we can kind of rid our, you know, get rid of those things, lay aside those things and take care of those things that will help us in running the race, right? Like, why aren't we living our best life now? It's like because of the sin, right? And the things that are holding us back in being obedient to the lord. And so it finally says let us run with endurance or the steadiness of the race that is before us. So when we think of a race, right? Sometimes we think, you know, of like a race that everyone is in together, but each race is our own individual race. And the idea of a race is actually, you know, literally a race, but it can be translated in the idea of like this contest or a struggle or a battle. Um, some sort of competition, but it's the things that, right, you know, uh, like the Lord has a track that we're, we're on for each one of us. And so we're not competing against each other. We're trying to make it a, a, this race that has a start and a finish that the Lord has determined for each one of us. And as we go through the track, like we're trying to do it as, as best as we can and to run or advance through in order to get us to the reward that waits us at the end.
1: He specifically mentions running, which confirms the belief that I have that there's no pleasure at all in running, <laughs> except, yeah. except when you're done. That's the only thing that's enjoyable about running. But it is a great illustration that we're not, you I mean, think about the context here of those who were abandoning the faith, who were walking away from Christ. Yeah of the persecution they were not willing to face, because they held longer the pleasures of this life and were not willing to endure and sin entangled them but yet e- even our eyes have to look beyond because life is hard and there's nothing enjoyable about it when you understand the battle against sin, the effects and consequences of sin, that the only hope that we have is the same hope that Christ had who endured suffering, and he says, who uh, endured the cross, you know, looking for the joy that was set before him, and in no way can we find joy in this life except what's beyond this
0: life. Yeah. So, uh,
1: it confirms that belief, anyway,
0: that life is hard. Yeah, so, and that's where he goes, right? He says, so why, why Jesus? You know, what does he say about Jesus as our example? Yeah. He also says that, right, that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? So it starts with him who founds our faith and then completes it, perfects it. And so, there's, you know, they ask the question, like, why look anywhere else? We have these, these great cloud of witnesses that are examples that kind of maybe are cheering us on, you know, helping us, encouraging us to go forward as we, like, look to Jesus because he did endure the cross. I think it's interesting, endure the cross for the joy <laughs> Um, you know what? what how do, how do, how can that happen? It's like how can you run with joy? You know, yeah, you think about that. <laughs> you think about yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so Jesus knew what he meant, but he he even said um, that it was a privilege to do the Father's will, even knowing what it would ha- you know what would happen. And that idea of despising shame is is kind of this disregard for even the shame that came with it that he encountered. Because he knew, and he knew perfectly, not only just, like, the things that he heard, but he also knew what was in men's hearts, so he, he knew how they felt, right? But he also knew their pride and why they felt the way they felt, because even on the cross, how did he respond? Yeah, to forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing, because of their ignorance. And so, and how, you know, where is Christ now? Yeah so in the, in the end, he was victorious. We looked to Philippians too, how he gave up that spot to come down and suffer, and then now that's where he's at as well. So we can look again to him because he has run the race, and we can run it too. So who was it Eric little, who said you know that uh like when he when he runs, he feels God's pleasure, so there are some oddities out there, but uh <laughs> there are exceptions, exceptions too yeah, so. Um, anyway, so the author, right, so they're kind of like, then the author of Hebrews is then going to spend chapter 12 about how to run this race and fight the race and not grow weary. And, uh, you know, but just, just again to think that this lifelong battle is rooted in faith and that faith can grow stronger and help us finish well. And so while we run our race, our own race, right, because it is an individual faith that we have, We're not alone. We have so many others who overcame their struggles and remain confident in the Lord. And so now it's for us that you know the hope that we have is how we are faithful or confident in Christ and that we hope that we would hear the words of Jesus' parable in Matthew 25 where the Master says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master. So, as we kind of look to go through this life, how can we continue and grow in our faith and grow more confident in Christ? We have plenty of examples that we can look to in Scripture. We can have one another where we look to the Lord to get us through each and every day. Yes. Yeah. We are weak, but we were made stronger than we were before.
1: not Yeah. Yeah, which I, I think it'd be you know, an honor to say that this man was faithful. But even that in some way draws away from the, the reality. of The fact is it's God who is faithful. And that that's, that would be I think the, the most appropriate epitaph. God is faithful.
0: True. True.
1: joy to him and that
0: he continues to intercede for us joyfully like we did and you look at Hebrews 11 1, Jesus like she just said, he was looking forward to something he spoke for conviction of something that he hadn't seen yeah 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 because even Christ, right, when he came and took on a body, he was temporal all right, and so, uh, yeah, lived as we did with faith in the Lord, which is why he prayed and why he's still connected and communed with the Father, and. Uh,
1: well, Matt, I, it's hard not to refer back to Hebrews five, where the, the writer references Christ and the prayer in Gethsemane,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when he's bleeding and he's crying out, "Lord, let this cup pass from me." We, we can be so bold to say, you know, Christ died for me, but when it came down to that moment, he was ready to abandon He, he was in so much grief and suffering. But his commitment and his love was towards the Father as a priority, even above us. I mean, we, we know the extent of God's love extended through Christ is what redeems us. But yet, his main motivation was to please the Father. in Hebrews 5, he says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. So that is that faithfulness to the Lord. Because God God was going to fulfill the promise to, which was the joy set before him, that he would... Once again, sit down at the right hand of God, and in Philippians two says, "And be given a name that's above every name, that every knee will bow, every tongue confess." Yeah. That that was the joy that that the, the the Father had bestowed upon him. That promise that I will redeem you, I will I will resurrect you, I will put you back in your place. But you must go through this, and Christ was willing to set it aside, but not at the sake of, of
0: disobeying and being. As well. Yeah, it's a, it's a good book, and in, uh, in, it's in an entirety. And so we're going to then turn uh, in the next few chapters to start looking at kind of what the Lord has for us in our future and what he has to say as we kind of look towards those things um, that he's promised for us. So we'll end it there.